organize your amazing ideas into a powerful book, you are in the right place. At the right time to learn how to write your book. Hi, I'm Joyce Glass. And I'm Sherry Lynn Bisbano, and welcome to The Right Hour, nonfiction tips from The Right Coach team. We are so glad you joined us today. Welcome to episode 805 of The Right Hour. Do you know how to find the best title for your book? I love creating titles and brainstorming ideas with my clients. It's the fun part of working with my clients is figuring out titles, and usually they come along while you're working on the book. Robin Colucci shares from her vast experience and research on the best title options for your book. She helps consultants, coaches, and CEO founders write and publish books that help grow their business and further their cause. By integrating sound business strategy into every aspect of the process, she has helped her clients double or triple their incomes within a few weeks of beginning work together, long before the book is out. Her clients have been published by major houses such as Random House, Doubleday, Jay Wiley and Sons, Hay House, etc., and others have self-published. Robin is a managing director of eWomen Networks, in New Haven and Shoreline East Chapter. She has two kids in college and lives in Old Lyme, Connecticut with her pug. So let Robin help you figure out a best-selling title for your book. Hi, we're so glad you're here today for this episode. We have Robin Colucci, is that how you say it, with us today. And you heard her very fascinating bio already. So we're not going to go into that, but we'll want to hear more about you, Robin. Tell us about you and your journey to becoming a writer. Well, I, it's funny. I'd have to say, I, I think I was a writer before I knew how to read because even when I was a small child, I would scribble and try to pretend that I was writing because I wanted to write right away. (laughs) And so it's really always been a part of my life. And I wrote a lot of poetry as a child and started writing a little bit of short stories. And then when I got to high school, I got really interested in journalism. And I was really interested in politics and social issues and stuff. And so I got, in, I got interested in journalism. I ended up going to George Washington University as a journalism major. And while I was there, I, I worked for the school newspaper, the GW Hatchet, and I was also one of the editors on the literary magazine there, the, the GW Review. Oh, fun. And so that was really cool. Yeah. And yeah. I, I did like a summer internship at some cheesy weekly at, in Baltimore. <laughs> You know. Inquire. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember which one, but but it was helpful. You know, it was it was actually good to get some basic experience. And right. and so when I and I worked at the Washington Post part time as a news wow, agent. Um, yes, very well, impressive. And so that was amazing because I was there during the the golden years with the you know when Ben Bradley was still executive editor and Bob. Mm. Bird of Watergate fame was still a reporter. Mm, and wow. so that, now, you know, a little bit of close to how old I am. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> and don't so, look it. You don't look it. Well, bless you. Thank you. And so I, I, uh, you know, was, was enjoying the, the, the process of, of, uh, 
learning about all this. And then when I was and practicing it, I did some freelancing for the post while I was there, some freelance articles. Mm -hmm. And and then the, the chairman of the journalism department at GW called me into his office and he said, I have recommended you for a job as a research assistant for a New York Times bestselling author. And if he offers you the job, you should leave the post to take it. I was like, come on, you know, the post is the perfect place to be. He's like, just go with an open mind. So I did. And I ended up uh, accepting this job with Mm -hmm. um, a gentleman who turned out to be the world's leading expert on espionage in the Cold War um, and had written many books on that. This guy was David Wise. Nonfiction. He wrote the very first expose that was ever written on the CIA and uh called the invisible government and and so i worked for him for three years and it was during that time that i learned about how to conceive a book idea write a book talk to your agent about the book Mm -hmm. (laughs) go sell it to a publisher you know get it all written get it promoted you know he he had you know he was on cnn and the today show and 2020 when it was still a new show and, uh, and so I learned all of these inner workings of the publishing industry. Wow. And then as promised at the end of my three years with him, he helped me get a newspaper reporting job at a mid-sized metropolitan paper. And I, I did that for a couple of years, but I really didn't like reporting. Like it was very different to work for a paper, um, that wasn't the Washington Post. (laughs) And that's why I'm not naming them, but I'll just say the standards were not quite um, what I was used to. Right. And so so I left and thought I was done with publishing and started and built and ultimately sold a personal fitness training business. And that was like a 10 year detour. Wow. And after I sold it, I started working as a wellness as a business coach for wellness practitioners mm-hmm. because wellness people are, are like artists, right? Mm-hmm. They, they're great at what they do. They're not so great at marketing or asking, right. <laughs> you know, all those things that make a business. And so, and I, for some reason I'm able to do both. So I started to, to coach people and help them get some good results. And then um, my clients started to say, well, you know what I really want to do is write a book. And I was like, oh, totally easy. And so <laughs> <laughs> I knew that. Right. And, we're laughing because most people are like, not for me. Right. And I'm like, oh, I totally could help you with that. And all of a sudden, like, I'm like, I have this almost like time travel moment where all of a sudden I'm back in David Wise's office, you know, and just everything I learned just was right there for me. And so I, I started to do that and then people got really, they got picked up, you know, book deals because I, I knew how to do a book proposal. So I helped them with that and I helped them, wow. you know, build their platforms and I helped them write the book and, you know, write the proposal or what, whatever needed to be done. And then I remembered like, I, I, it's not publishing. I don't like it's newspaper reporting. I love work. I love helping people write books. Right. Yes. It yes. is different. Yes. I'm not a journalism no. person either. I don't no. like articles as much either. I uh, yeah, have a little really get myself. Yeah. Yes. Not really like helping other people tell their story. Yeah. And, and the other thing too, is like, you know, when I was a journalist, I had to cover city government. I had to cover night cops 
you know, like I had to go out like when there were accidents and you know, <laughs> and go get the report from the police, mm. you know, go to the police blotter. And I had to cover, I had to be at boring city council meetings until 10 o'clock at night and then get up, you know, and be there first thing 9am the next morning. And the pay was horrible. Yes. Now, and, yeah. and with, with book, book writing coaching, I get to, choose what topics I, I I get to choose the people I work with. I get to choose yes. topics that I help people write on. Mm-hmm. And so it makes my life very fascinating and, and interesting. And I, I enjoy uh, the writing process, and right. the crafting process. So that's my journey. Yeah. Awesome. We my, that's my, fascinating. Uh, sort of very fascinating <laughs> journey. So we we understand the love of coaching writers and mm-hmm. and helping them on their journey and tell their story. Now, our topic today is titles. So what common mistakes do authors make when trying to create a title for their book or their work? Yeah, great, great question. I, I'd say the biggest mistake that they make is they try to nail down the title before they've written the book. Right. Yeah, yes. And, you know, it's like trying to put a label on something that doesn't exist. It's, mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that. Right. It's very difficult to name any, you know, to, to really nail down the title of something that you're not exactly 100% sure what it is. So what I mm-hmm. recommend that people do is you, you have a working title. Right. Um, that just reminds you what you're, what what your topic is because yes. if you don't have a working title, it's really easy to get into, uh, you know, sort of off track and, right. and down some rabbit trails and stuff like that. So have a working title, but don't agonize over the title, save that for the end. You know, I'd say 95% of the books that I help people write were on, were on working title until the very last days. Um, right. I've, I had one instance where they even had the cover design <laughs> oh, wow. and my client could not make up her mind about <laughs> the title. And, and, you know, so it was literally like uh, down to the last minute that, you know, <laughs> she, I finally make like, a decision, just make a decision. You need to decide. Don't most traditional publishers want, a lot of them change the title. Or want, or they want to say in the title, don't they? The traditional publishers. What I have found is, and and I think that this is, I think people sometimes mistake the 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 issue of a traditional publisher uh, having final say on things like the cover or the title. Really, it's for the author's own good. Right. 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 And like we were just talking, we were just chatting a little bit before the show started, and. You were talking about how how frustrating it can be when you're working with an author and they ha- they come up with a terrible title that they're in love with, right. and yeah. your job is to talk them off the ledge and yeah. get them yeah. back in line. Well, the yes. publisher has the same experience with right. their inexperienced authors, and so they but but they've got a lot of money on the line and a lot of investment right. on the line. So they need yes. to be able to say no. Mm-hmm. Right. But what I have found is that the general tenor of the entire relationship is they want to collaborate with the author on the title. Yes, they, want yes, to absolutely. they want it. They want you to have the title that you love as long as it doesn't suck. Basically. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> I'm going to quote you on that. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to put that as one of our points. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I had an experience with one of my clients that she had this title that she just felt, you know, was like a download from God for her book. And it was, it wasn't a bad title, but I was, after I read all these, cause it was stories about Alzheimer's patients. She had been a nurse practitioner. Wow. And I read one of the stories about this family and this mother said something and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, that's your name. That has to be the name of it. And you could see it actually right back here. It's just see me. And that's what it was mm-hmm. so sweet. One of the um, ladies with Alzheimer's, her daughter had asked her something and the mom answered some off the wall answer that wasn't <laughs> related to the question. And so she just looked at her mom and she goes, mom, you're so beautiful. And the mom replied, really? When I look in the mirror, I just see me. And I went, that's your theme of all these stories. Just yeah. see me as I am now, not as I was, not as what you thought I could have been, but just mm-hmm. see me as I'm now. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how it's, it evolves. And if you let your story evolve, if you let your book evolve, that title will come jumping out at you. Usually it, it I mean, have you had that happen, Robin, where oh yeah, the titles just come jumping out after you're writ- written something, yeah. Or read something? Yeah. Or sometimes like at a certain point in the writing and you're just like, boom, you know, that's it. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes it's not till the very, very end. So right. it, it, can, it can show up. And sometimes like I had, I had one woman come to me and she's like, I want the title of my book to be uh, resurrecting Venus it was, and it was all about women's empowerment. And, and, and I said, I love it. And, but you know, we'll keep an open mind, but I love it. And that's the book that came out. And yeah, it, I like it. She, it was a perfect title. So yeah. that happened too, but that's, that's the more rare. Yeah. 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 Usually. Yeah. Yeah. My title changed about three times and now it's finally getting published. Shine. Don't whine. That's cute. Yeah. I Good. love her title. Yeah. Remember? True star, it was true star quality and some other yeah. things. Yeah. No, that's, that's great. Yeah. I like that. It's cute. It is perfect. And I mean, that's the thing. It's like, well, I, and I can get into the traits a little bit later, but, but uh, I think the biggest mistake that, that authors make around their titles is, is not listening to expert advice, like right. uh, thinking that they have it, that they have it down. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they might, they might, like I said, I've had, I've had clients. Yeah. Come, but they've got to be coachable and open, you know, to, yeah. to other options to make yeah. sure that they're in the right place. Yeah, you know, and not just your friends, your friends don't know either. You really, <laughs> exactly. you really need to talk to people who, who've worked on, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens or hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books um, yeah. and, and know what will, what will sell. Exactly. Or at least, you know, have some some inkling exactly (laughs) you never know for sure what will sell but anyway go on yeah so what is your favorite name of a book you helped write or edit well i i have a few that that question i was like man i better i have to go to my stacks and do some research i think (laughs) my my favorite 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 and i know we're not you're not going to be able to see video but this my favorite 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 has to be uh last year's New York Times bestseller that I coached, coached my client to write for yes. sure. He, I guess 
he worked really hard on this. I, I will not <laughs> steal that from him. Congratulations, <laughs> um, though, but you were there to coach him. So I have to say, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but congratulations on that. That is that yeah. is a great, great feat. It really is. It well, it it was it was a it was a a, a group effort, and he was phenomenal. He worked so so hard. But eat to beat disease is the title. Mm-hmm. And the subtitle is the new science of how your body can heal itself. Mm-hmm. And, That's good. and um, it's, it's like, it's, it's literally a lesson on how to do a title. Like if you break down what he did here, uh, you know, what, what we, what we all came up with. And so that's, that's one of my favorites. I have a couple others that I really like. Yeah, tell know. us. Um, so the, another one is um, this came out in 2018 and this was self-published, but he's last time I talked to him, he'd sold over 15,000 copies. Wow. Which is like ridiculous. Wow. That is great. Yeah. And it's called getting to us, discover the ability to lead your team to any result you desire. Oh, that is good too. Yeah. Really solid. And you know, this is what I do. I do nonfiction reference types, you know, like learning learning about something or how to think about right. something. helping people in some form yeah yeah and so um i had another one that came out last year this was this was kind of fun this one this one came out um it it's, it's a business book and it was vying for uh between malcolm gladwell's talking to strangers and elon musk's book that just came out in 2018 which i'm not remembering the title of right now but it was those two books and his that were like vying for the number one spot in this management for like all day that his book was released. So I was so proud of him and so happy for him Um, on Amazon. They were, they were like competing for that number one spot. And this is go tech or go extinct. I love that. Um, How acquiring tech disruptors is the key to survival and growth for established companies. So, you know, very clear, you know exactly who it's for, mm-hmm. exactly what it is. And anyway, but we'll get into the specifics on why those titles are great later. Yeah, and in fact, are, we, you have seven traits of best-selling yes. titles. Can, yes. can you expound on those? Can you tell us what Absolutely. they are? Absolutely. So, I mean, basically the title, so the seven traits are actually the title and the subtitle, right? And so the title is obviously that main statement, like go tech or go extinct, eat to beat disease, getting to us. Those are the, the main title. And the main title has a very specific purpose, which is to sell the, the reader on picking up the book. Right? So that's got to be quick. It's got to catch your eye. It's got to be memorable. And, um, and so the, the subtitle is, is supposed to tell the reader why they should read the book. So it's right. really, if you think about it, the subtitle is really a brief benefit statement, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, yes, if you read definitely. the book, what are you going to get? You're going to discover the ability to lead. You're going to learn about how to keep your traditional company alive in a tech world. You're going to learn how to save your own life by what you choose to eat, right? And so we're going to say it in a way that's, um, again, easy to grasp in that quick second, because you really, if you think about somebody scrolling through Amazon or wandering through a bookstore, you don't get a lot of time, right? Right. You have about five seconds (laughs) to to capture their attention. Right. So there's a few traits of a title that sells, right? It's punchy. It has to be short and impactful, Mm -hmm. right? Bam, 
you know, get my attention. It needs to be easy to spell. And this is really important for Google um, because that's how people find books now, right? They're, if you give them, and this is where, like we, what we chatted about a little bit before we started the, the show, is if you do made up words or uh, weird words with weird spelling, it's, it's going to be harder for people to find your book. Right. Definitely. Uh, you need to be direct. So you just want to get to the point, right? Eat to beat disease. It's not eat, eat to feel good and sleep better. And yeah. And you know, lose some weight and no, it's eat to beat disease. So we know exactly what it is. Right. And you, those are all the wonderful side effects, you know, feeling better. Sleep exactly. Better. Exactly. But, you know, in the big, in the big letters, eat, eat, that's right. <laughs> eat. I'm now motivated. Anything about eating. I'm motivated. I'm in. I'm right with you. And, and the last trait is memorable. And there and there, I mean, there's, there's some interesting things about um, making something memorable um, that I want to share with you. But before I do that, I want to talk a little bit about this idea of keeping it punchy and short. Mm-hmm. Because I actually I'm I'm kind of geeky when it comes to books and publishing. So I like to, I like to try to decode, you know, what's actually going on when we see, you know, I try to look for patterns and see what's actually happening in the industry. So I did a, I, I looked at, um, New York times bestseller lists and I still do this by the way, um, you know, going way, way back. And then I checked all the, um, bestselling books of all time. And I looked at their titles and my question was, what do they have in common? Right. And so I'm going to share with you the few things that they have in common in terms of uh, length. Okay. So any week you pick any week, I challenge anyone listening to this, open up the New York times uh, bestseller list uh, page and check the list. (laughs) And this is what you're going to find just about every week. I, I, I really haven't found it not to be true. 85%. This is when they used to have 20 on the list. So it's a little harder to come up with 85% now that they only really list 10, but 85% of all national best-selling titles will contain no more than six syllables. Mm-hmm. So eat to beat disease is five. Yeah. Okay. 90 to 95% of all best-selling titles will contain eight or less. And once you get into 10 syllables or less, you have now like 95 to 99% of books will have fewer than 10 syllables in their title. Mm -hmm. There are a few exceptions like Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance or How to Win Friends and Influence People, but they will be very, very difficult to find. So whatever you do, make sure that your title is like 10 is your max yeah, and six, um, six to eight is your sweet spot, mm-hmm. right? So that's really important. And then, you know, you want the, you want the title to get people's attention, right? You want it to kind of pattern interrupt. So like go tech or go extinct. It's like, what do you mean go, what do you mean go extinct? <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, I want a dinosaur. <laughs> how does, what does tech have to do with extinction? You know, it's like, wow. So, it, but it makes them go, whoa, you know, so that, so you want, you want to 
that that can be a, a good um, a good strategy. Right. Um, and then, of course, like I said, just being direct to the point. I already talked about that. But here's the thing about being memorable, and I think this is something that that a lot of people don't necessarily pay close attention to, but it's all over the place. Is um, so we have a collective sort of understanding in our culture, right? We have things that we've heard that we have an association with. Right. And if you take something that's already a common sort of known phrase and you put a twist on it, mm-hmm. then you're, you're raising the memorability quotient of your book, like just by, you know, to the nth degree and like getting to us, what does that, can you recall what book that, that, that sort of hints at? That getting friends, the getting, getting to the bottom. I don't know. I was thinking getting to the bottom. Getting getting to yes. Getting to yes. Getting to us. Big big bestseller on negotiation, right? So people who are reading business books and buying business books, they know exactly what getting to yes is. They probably have it on their shelf already. And now that you say it, I've heard of that, but it wasn't coming to mind. Right. Well, yeah. Well, you're a little young. You're a little young probably. Um, But here's one, here's one that you, you might definitely be too too young um but rich dad poor dad mm-hmm. oh yeah i've read that right but do you remember do you know what he was playing off of in the title it's a tv show oh oh okay yes um i can't think of it this is long before joyce was born no jo- joyce looks really good for her age <laughs> I don't think Joyce, I don't even know she if Joyce younger born. Than she was <laughs> But so there was a very popular TV series um, in the seventies called rich dad, poor dad. No, called, really? no, called rich man, poor man. That's what I thought. I was going to never heard of that. Oh, rich man, poor man. I was and a so, little girl in the seventies. We'll put it that way. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that's, but so here's, so here's the thing. This was brilliant because Rich Man, Poor Man was on in the 70s, and his target reader was growing up in the 70s. Mm. So, and was probably around 12 or 13 in the 70s, which would have been like right around the time they might have, you know, just started to get an awareness. That's me. Right. So when, when his book came out, you know, it wasn't as, as long ago. So that was a brilliant you can you can do a play. Here's one of my favorites. Is I Chelsea. Say, do you have another one? Because I, I love doing plays on words. Yeah, one of my favorites is uh, Chelsea Handler's memoir. Are you there, vodka? It's me, Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> Remember what book that would have been a play on? Are you there, God? It's yes. Me. <laughs> <laughs> Again speaking right into the demographic of her readers, mm-hmm. right? Like all of us who are about her age, right? We grew up with that. I mean, how, who didn't have that book in eighth grade, right? I mean, so that's, that's another good example. Um, the power of habit. Mm-hmm. Power of now. Yeah. So, I mean, so these are, so this is a device that's used very frequently and very successfully. Yes. So you can have a twist on something that's already uh, in in the collective. Yeah, I love that. 
incredible. Like, yeah, like you said, it makes it very memorable. And like, if that is your demographic, they're going to get it. You know, they're mm-hmm. going to understand. Um, this yeah. is when I realized I was getting older when I went to speak to a ladies group and they didn't know there was some younger girls in the group and they didn't know who Ernest was. Remember Ernest from the, um, Oh my God. Yes. The, the, the comedian. Movie. Yes. You know, and, and these but girls were like, commercial that was, huh? Wasn't yes. it, wasn't it, wasn't it a commercial that he did? He did he some shows. He was on another show. He was on he a did, show. He had a show, but I think he also did some funny like Comcast or one of those. He did. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly. Like at first, I didn't get it, and, and then like or something. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that was the thing. They had no clue, and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm getting old." <laughs> I know. Like at first, like at first, I didn't get it, and then his goofy face just like flashed into my mind, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, Ernest! Oh my gosh, yes, yeah." And you know, you know, this, we could go on a bunny trail on this, but I think a a great, maybe a great future podcast would be how words have changed over the years. And that's uh, a great idea because uh, maybe Robin, you might want to help us with that because I think of record, right? (laughs) Or turntable. Um, if, if, because, um, You've been in the writing field long enough to know how verbiage has changed. So maybe we could do that. Um, you know, in, in a- I know, you know, one thing that is hysterical when I talk to some of my younger clients and I explain to them that cut and paste is because that's what we used to cut <laughs> paper <laughs> and paste paper in a new place. And they look at me like, what? <laughs> The other end of the spectrum, my parents, when I tell them to cut it, my dad goes, where does it go? (laughs) It's on the end of your mouse, okay? Just imagine it's there. It's right there. And when you hit paste, it's going to magically appear again. Come back like magic. (laughs) Yeah, there's there's, the verbiage. And now the verbiage changes. I mean, it changes weekly. I mean, you know, like who would have ever thought the word Google could be a verb? I mean, that's, <laughs> I Googled it. That's right. I Googled it. But <laughs> and, and, yes. I Google, I have Googled. I, am I Googled. asked Google. Right. <laughs> we can, we can conjugate the entire verb for Google. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's, yeah, it's true. Language has really been impacted, especially by technology for it sure. Is, it's interesting. It's really interesting. So those were the traits okay. of selling titles, the trait, and then the rest of the trait, the other few traits are, I think there's like four of the title and then there's three of the subtitle. So, mm-hmm. for, so the subtitle is all about benefits, right? So mm-hmm. basically you've got to communicate very quickly that whatever that's, that pain is, this is for nonfiction, but you know, whatever the pain is that the reader is in or whatever that thing is keeping them up at night that they want, um, that you have a solution to help them get closer to it, to help close that gap. Um, or your subtitle has to be about what they don't want. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, I mean, this is kind of, this is this, this tech or go at stink about the key to survival and growth for established companies. It's kind of like hinting right at at what they want and what they don't want. Like they don't want to go extinct. Right. You don't want to survive. Right. Exactly. So you also want to be clear, like, where are you taking me? Right. One of the things that I talk about a lot is, is you want to avoid white van, a white van approach, which is basically like you you don't, if 
if you imagine that you're standing on a corner and somebody pulls up really fast and slams on the brakes and, you know, a white van pulls up really fast, slams on the brakes, somebody swings open the door and says, get in. Like, <laughs> I see too do? many detective movies. I'm not getting right? in. You're not getting in that vehicle because you don't know who's driving it. You don't right. know where it's going. You don't know if you'll ever be seen again. Right. Um, and so you, you want that subtitle to communicate very clearly. This is the journey that I'm inviting you to enter. So it's more like you're pulling up in a, in a nice big limousine bus that says New York City or San Francisco on the front, you know, and, and the person, and when the door opens, the person can look in and see cushy seats and hear nice music and they see a full bar. That's the experience you want to create with that subtitle. So, you know, discover the ability to lead your team to any result you desire. Ah, yeah, that's where I want to be. Exactly what I I feel relieved just reading the subtitle. I I want to feel more relief. I'm going to buy this book. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and be brief again. Now I've also, of course, geeked out on this. So (laughs) here's the length of your, of your subtitle, half a tweet. I like that. 70 characters with spaces, including spaces, okay. 70 characters. If you're right in there, you know, you could be a couple spaces over. You could be, you could be several under, but that's your sweet spot for the subtitle in terms of length. I, so, wanted, I wanted to ask you, Robin, um, mm-hmm. can the subtitle, can you say the journey to, or the quest for the, should, can yeah. you do that? Or is that, or is it best to do something a little less obvious. Well, like, like for what kind of a book would you say the journey? Nonfiction. Like I, w- I was going to put a s- on my book. I don't want to keep talking about my book, but okay. I don't whine the quest for star quality or the quest to sh- stop complaining or the quest to shine. I forgot exactly how I had it, but so they, they know that the book is a quest or a journey. It's not all just, no, I would, no, I'm glad you asked because what you want your subtitle, like the journey is implied. The subtitle okay. should be about the result. Yeah. So the subtitle. Nobody wants to buy a journey. <laughs> Nobody okay. wants to buy a journey. You've got to, you've got to meet them with what, with what they want. And like, they understand implicitly that, that the journey begins reading the book. But so it would be like shine, don't whine. It would be overcome your head trash and and get what you want out of life. And of course I'm totally spitballing and not recommending that but specifically. But yeah, I yeah. don't have a subtitle cuz I couldn't figure one out. Yeah. I was going to have the quest and I'm so and I'm so glad I didn't do that and I'm glad I asked you that question because yeah. Yeah. Joyce and I help a lot of people as mm-hmm. well and it, we don't want to lead we don't want to lead them on a journey to use the journey or the quest on their book titles. No, I wouldn't. I mean, you're wasting still, you're wasting characters there. You know, you're All right. right. Thank you. That's really good information. Thank right. you. I would just say like, get over your past and learn how to love your life or something. Yeah. Like, love yeah. You know, something like that, but you just want to like, whatever the tone is that you want, but you, you just focus on the, the result that if they, if they read the book and follow the advice then they are more likely to get that result, right? I mean, like for a dating and relationships book, nobody wants to read 
a subtitle that says, heal your relationship with your parents, forgive all your past lovers, journal a lot, go to (laughs) therapy and meet the love of your life. Right. Nobody that's, I'm not buying that book. That might actually be what I end up doing. Right. But I'm not buying that book. Right. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Resurrect Venus. <laughs> yeah. Wake up, honey. I'm me a man. No, yeah, the you know, girl, stop apologizing and girl, wash your face. The same kind of concept is mm-hmm. she is taking them on a journey, mm-hmm. but she's not talking about that in the in the title. Yeah, she's not saying the journey to washing your face. Yeah, so I love that. You know. So what are the, can you give us the bullet points on the traits again? Okay. Yes. I know they're, they're quite, quite, okay. So I'm going to go back and uh, I'm going to look at my notes so I don't miss any here. Is this on your website? No, Mm -mm. no, they have to listen to your podcast to get it or, uh, (laughs) or that's it (laughs) or, or something. Okay. Here we go. Punchy, short and impactful, easy to spell. That's for Google. Remember, that's how people are going to find your book. So don't make right. it. I don't think Siddhartha by uh, Herman Hess would have done very well in 2020. <laughs> um, direct to the point and memorable. That's for your title. Mm-hmm. And then your subtitle traits are, sorry about this. I'm, that's all right. I'm rattling them off. Benefits, 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 right? So this is all about focusing on the outcome that the reader wants. And then again, just be clear and be brief, right? So no white bands, tell them exactly where you're taking them and do it within 70 characters. Yeah. And eliminate kind of what we call fluff words too. Mm -hmm. You know, the the journey could be, I consider that fluff because that's not, that's not your benefit. That's what's going to happen when they do this. (laughs) And that's a whole nother topic. Like, you know, there's certain words I just forbid in titles and journey um is is definitely there um transformation mm-hmm. um overdone enlightenment yeah. awakening like all these words exactly they're so overdone that people can't hear them anymore and right they, and so and they there's just they're they're what i call the eye roll words yeah because if people, well, I've been through a transformation. I don't need that. Yeah. And well, no, it's more like if something, you know, my journey to transformation, you know, like <laughs> rolling she my eyes, eyes. I'm rolling my eyes for those. <laughs> right. But I, and because it's, it's really like, who cares, you know? And, and, and the problem is it's been done and then redone and then overdone and then done again. Right. And so you want to stay away from those words that have, Come cliches of themselves. Correct. Like, yeah. The, the. Well, the has been done a lot too, but it's still very useful. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about your personal writing time. Do you uh, have time to write in between helping clients? And when you do write, is there a consistent time you write? Is it daily or so? Give us some things. That's that's great question. Things that so, didn't. Yeah, I do write. I do write. Uh, I do do my own writing. Um, I try to do, uh, most days I, I succeed, um, in doing morning pages, which if you've ever read Julia Cameron's artist way, you know, just those three pages every morning. And I really find that kind of just helps me clear, clear my mind so that I can do the day. Right. That's to be very helpful. And then, um, and I do write my own work, 
and but when I'm writing content that I'm going to either publish or perform, um, I do a little. I've done. I've been known to do a little stand-up comedy here and there. Um, <laughs> oh, so, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, that's okay. I'll send you a link. Um, <laughs> do that, please. Do. Yeah. Uh, and so when I'm writing for my own stuff, I, I'm, what I tend to do is I, I, I sort of, I, I walk around in the world and then there's this sort of like buildup. And then, and then once or twice a week, I'll sit down and just vomit it all out, you know? So I'll, I'll write nothing, 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 2,500 words, yeah. nothing, 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 1,500 words. And um, so I can, you know, average about 4,000 words a week, but I'm not like one of those hour a day or two hours a day. Cause once I'm in it, like I just kind of, I'm in that groove right. and then I just try to ride that groove as long as I can. Right. Um, and it just, that's just what works for me. Like when I wrote my book, how to write a book that sells you, which just barely made it in my syllables. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I actually had to rewrite it several times because I knew I couldn't exceed my syllables because then I would lose all my credibility. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I would just sit down and just, you know, do like 2000 words in one sitting. That's why we love to ask because, I mean, this is what we try to explain to everybody. Everybody's different. Everybody's got a different approach and different schedules and you've got to figure out what works for you. And, you know, some people being super disciplined is great. So that's what I love to ask people because I want people to know not every writer gets up at five o'clock in the morning and bams out, you know, 10,000 words in a day. You know, they, people do it different ways. Oh yeah. I don't know any writers, including some of the most successful that are writing 10,000. Maybe, maybe Stephen King is writing 10,000 words a day. That I could believe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think um, Jerry Jenkins writes a good bit. I can't remember what he said. Do you remember what he said? He might because he keeps up with his guild and he's doing all that as well. So he's writing a lot of, uh, a lot of information and content, not just his books. True. I think the hard thing when you're a writing coach, I don't know, like for me anyway, I think the hardest thing is, is, getting, you know, getting in the right zone to write when I've just spent my entire, you know, day or week helping other people write. And right. so, you know, that, I think that is the, um, the challenge, it is. But, but generally when I'm writing for my, for myself, I'm usually writing something completely different. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's, that's not related to my work. And I think that that helps because I think yes. if I was writing about how to write, you know, now, now my book is out. So I, you know, <laughs> I've done that already, but I think if I was still doing that, I don't know, because it's like, I, that's all I talk about all day, you know? Go somewhere else. It does help. Like I read 60,000 words a week easily with mm-hmm. my clients, but it's like, how, you know, how much more energy audio books. That's what I do. Right? That's what I, I do, do audio books now. And I've also found like, I love the summer because I still like when I'm reading on the beach, it's, it's, it's a different enough context that yes. I don't, it doesn't feel at all like work. Like it's really hard for me to read from home because I work from home. Right. <laughs> and it just, even if it's, you know, a fabulous book, um, that, that has nothing to do with it. It's just hard. <laughs> yeah. I, I love audio books, especially when I'm at the gym. So I don't have to listen mm-hmm. to the, their music. Yeah. But anyway, Robin, I, I've really learned a lot and, so glad we're talking to you. 
and you've really encouraged me, but do you have any um, advice for writers and any more encouragement um, for those who are struggling either with their title or just struggling to write in general? Mm-hmm. I would, well, I would say um, if you're, if you're struggling to write in general, you probably are. I think it's one of two things. You're probably just not feeling totally clear about mm-hmm. what it is that you intend to say. Mm-hmm. So I think the thing to do would be to, you know, maybe revisit that for a little bit and just sort of think about the chapter you're about to write and, and at least jot down some bullet points that you want to hit upon, right. you know, and then go back to it. And then, and then kind of on the flip side is, you know, you might be right. You might stop writing because you fear that everything that you're writing is awful. Mm-hmm. And I think this is, this is the biggest stop. And mm-hmm. as somebody who's, I'm in the middle of writing a new creative piece right now, and I am absolutely in the tunnel. I can maybe see a tiny speck of light. I'm hoping it's the other side of the tunnel. I'm hoping it's not the oncoming train, but no. (laughs) I love that. No, but, and it's like, but I've learned over, you know, decades of doing this work that the only way that you just have to write through that, you have to just, just, if you can just have a little bit of faith it doesn't have to be good if you just make the goal to get through writing the first draft as quickly as you can mm-hmm. um, because nothing is great in the first draft. Nope. Nothing. And I guarantee you, you ask all of the, the writers, if you could go back in time and talk to every single writer that's ever lived that you admire, they will tell you that their first draft sucked. Mm-hmm. No first draft is great. Nope. So you just write through. And, um, and just have the faith that you can clean it up later. Right. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I know it's hard to do because I've been at this for over 30 years and I still struggle with it, but you know, that's the only way to get it done is to write. And, you know, even as a coach, I'm sure Joyce, that you go through this, like mm-hmm. I can't, I have a ton of value and expertise. I'm going to put you in. We have right people like us. We have a ton of expertise to offer. We have so much to give, but we cannot help you if you don't send us anything. Right. 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 I, can't, I cannot make it beautiful if you don't have it. Something right. Right now. like I need you to give me content so that I can help you make it better. And it's up to it's up to the author to extract that value from the writing coach. Right. And to and the only way to do that is to write. Mm-hmm. Because then everything, the whole world will open up to you. If you if you're if you're wise enough to have a coach, which I really do not attempt at home without help. You know, this is like it's, <laughs> <laughs> right. It's very, very hard like to do it. It is. Over. It took me four years to write my first book because I had I, you know, I read books and took web, you know, courses and webinars and all this stuff, but there was still nothing that could kind of like gel and kind of just get me out there. And finally I had a business coach practically dare me and said, Hey, just write it and then start emailing out to your list. Cause it was a devotional. And she said, email a day at a time. So I, it scared the bejeebies out of me because I'd only written like maybe two or three weeks and I had putzed around doing this for yeah. a long time. And she's like, just get it done Uh and put a deadline on it. And when I did, 
I got it done in three months because I didn't want people not, you know, getting to week five and like, Oh, sorry. I don't have the rest of it. Exactly. Exactly. That's right. So whatever. Yeah. So having somebody knowing that somebody's expecting to read it can help. Um, and you know, don't expect to be good. I mean, yeah, that's what coaches are for. That's what editors are for. Yep. Um, my, my, if you saw my first try at writing my book, it's Christian living book, but it's also a Bible study. A best-selling author looked at it and he said, I hope you don't hate me, but this needs a lot of work. If I wanted to write the, read the Bible, I just would have read the Bible. You need stories. And, and because of his consistent honesty and um, he never attacked me, but he said, your writing needs a lot of work, but I see the gem in all that dirt. Mm-hmm. And I worked hard and listened to what he had to say. I mean, I, I still have a lot to learn as a writer, but my writing has c- come leaps and bounds because I listened when I could have probably, I probably, I wanted to crawl under a rock and die because of what he, not because he was attacking me, but my writing's horrible, but it's <laughs> everybody's writing's horrible. So that's great advice, Robin, unless yeah. you can Keep that in mind. Nobody's writing is perfect. And everybody, you know, I'm constantly learning. I mean, I, I, I hire writing coaches to help me when I'm writing outside my genre. Like I know what my wheelhouse is, you know, my Mm -hmm. wheelhouse is nonfiction, world changing books. Okay. But if I'm writing comedy, I work with a coach Mm -hmm. because I'm, I can be funny, but doing a show is a totally different thing. Oh yeah. Right. And so it's like I hire coaches for my writing when, you know, right. when I'm writing outside, I, I hired a coach to help me write my TED talk that's going to be coming up this spring. So oh, I want to so, see it. I'll send you the link. Oh, what's please. It, we'll it, can, you tell us what can you tell us what it's going to be about? Yes. It's going to be about the question of our book still relevant. Uh-huh. And of course my answer is yes. So <laughs> I'll be sharing about why and how, how, yeah. Is Amazon still selling books? Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, there's that whole conversation about, oh, books are becoming passe and nobody reads anymore. And, you know, and it's actually, it's just complete bunk. It's just not true. Yeah, it is. It is. And uh, yeah, so I'll be talking about that. Yeah. Please be, great. Sure to, yeah. please be sure to forward it to us. Cause we will, we will tweet it. We will put it on Facebook. We will, we'll get uh, it out there for you. Thank you. <laughs> Seriously. That's great. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you being here today, Robin, and you gave us some wonderful tips and we'll be sharing that with our listeners and our show notes. And just thank you for everything you did for help us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Right Hour. Our goal is to help you achieve your writing dreams. You are one step closer to write your book. Learn how to get the book out of your head with the four steps we teach our clients. Sign up for the free email series at therightcoach.biz. The link is in the show notes. The four steps help you clarify your focus, create and organize your content, and complete your book. We share tips on the writing process, and you can download the writing planner to track your progress. Don't let fear and overwhelm keep you from writing your book. It's time to write your book.